with us being first-time entrepreneurs, first-time you know founders, we've always heard this idea of like, go and talk to your customers, right? And we were kind of like scared shitless about that. Like, how do we even do that, right? I mean, of course we can go to restaurants, but like, we don't want to, you know, fall flat on our face and get embarrassed, but that's the key, I think. Hey, this is Jesse here, and you're about to hear episode 71 of the Betting Startups podcast, where I talk to Philip and Troy from Food Fight, where winners eat, losers pay, and restaurants win. Tapping into their backgrounds in the food service industry, the guys explain how Food Fight is helping restaurateurs increase sales by enabling patrons to bet against each other using food and drinks as the currency. They also discuss how they see Food Fight as an example of how sports betting is converging with other industries, their current journey to raise a $500,000 angel round, and how they're giving back to help combat food insecurity through Food Fight for Charity. I had a great time chatting with Philip and Troy, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. But just a quick reminder before we get going today, the Betting Startups newsletter is the only weekly publication dedicated to the industry's early stage ecosystem, and it's the easiest way to keep your finger on the pulse of it all. The 10 seconds it takes you to subscribe will be the highest ROI use of your time today. So head on over to news.bettingstartups.com and smash that subscribe button. All right, we are back with episode 71 of the Betting Startups podcast. I have Phil and Troy here from Food Fight for this one. And guys, I didn't mention this to you yet, but as soon as we're finished recording here, I'm actually off to the dentist to get some attention on my tooth that exploded yesterday. So caveat to listeners, I might be even more mumbly than usual today. And guys, I might need you to carry the discussion in this one if uh, if you're okay with all that. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited for it. Right on. So Phil, uh, you and I met in New Jersey about a year ago. Uh, which is when I first heard about what you're up to with Food Fights. And then last month back in New Jersey, we met again, uh, this time uh, with Troy there as well. And sounds like the last year since we did meet uh, has been a really busy one for you. So I'm excited to dive into everything today and share with folks a little bit about what you guys are up to with Food Fight. But before we get into all that, maybe we can just spend a minute up front here. If each of you could introduce yourselves and maybe give listeners a bit of a sense of your backgrounds and some of the major chapters of your journeys up until co-founding Food Fight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, Jesse, you know, really thanks for uh, having us. We are longtime listeners. I think episode three was the first episode and uh, we're just excited to be here and share the food fight story. So my story, it, it really begins with my family. We moved from uh, Poland when I was a baby. Um, so that kind of scrappy hustler mentality was something that was just like inherently around my life. You know, being immigrants, they, they were successful entrepreneurs and built their own businesses from an early age, I, you know, was really involved in sports, right? Like playing sports from the age of three, all different types, you name it. I probably played it, but I really found my calling in tennis. When I was like nine years old, I started competing at a very high level, a little, a few years later, traveling all around the country, traveling around the world, got more serious than I ever expected. But unfortunately, you know, Injuries happen. Tennis is such a physical sport, and it kind of, you know, spelled my my hopes and dreams of going to play in college and and going pro. Um, with that, I focused on my education. Attended DePaul for college. It's where I met Troy. Got a major in international studies. Kind of, you know, looping back to my, you know, uh, inherent family makeup and, and our interests. During school was when I kind of dipped my toe into entrepreneurship. I uh, started a private tennis coaching business that I ran for four years. Made you know a, a decent amount of money for a college kid and learned a lot about advertising, marketing, customer acquisition. Like, how do we do this? Th these things. After I graduated, though, I, I uh, went into the corporate world, moved to DC, kind of put the tennis coaching business to the side. And um, in DC, I worked on a lot of public uh, policy issues with uh, big tech companies trying to fix complex problems as a consultant. 
after three years there, I moved back to Chicago and was hired as the first uh, compliance hire for one of the largest renewable energy developers in the world. And at the same time, I, I took the time there to, you know, focus on my education again and pursue a master's in public policy at Chicago. While I was there, is, you know, we had all these incredible resources, learning about entrepreneurships and having mentor, mentors, you know, teach you about how to build a business. So when I was there, I was like, I need to call Troy because I have a business idea. So call Troy. Yeah. And uh, my background really stems from my family as well. My grandparents on my dad's side owned a bar growing up. So as a little kid, I was eating maraschino cherries, drinking Shirley Temples all day, just running around on sugar. And while I may not have been a professional tennis player like Phil was, I still, you know, dabbled in a bunch of different sports growing up. But as I got into DePaul and met Phil, I was always working while going to school. So I was grinding, either delivering sandwiches for Subway or not Subway, a company like Subway. And then I transitioned into making pizzas at a pizzeria. Watched the Cubs win the World Series in 2016 from a pizzeria while serving tables with my sister serving next to me. So it's very a family oriented into restaurants. And as soon as I got done with DePaul, I moved to New Orleans, got into restaurants more professionally got into management, worked every restaurant, different roles. And I think, you know, Phil's background in more corporate level, regulatory and compliance with my background, more boots on the ground in restaurants, you know, talking to customers really helps us be in a good position to start Food Fight. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the background. Let's talk a little bit about, I guess, just the origins of Food Fight before we get into the nuts and bolts of what it actually does. You know, as you sort of talked about, you know, you guys go back some number of years, and then your paths converged onto what is now the food fight journey. Can you talk a little bit about just the origins, maybe some of the original, I guess, conversations you guys were having and, and just sort of like what was happening in your lives that sort of made you realize it was a time to take the leap from what you were up to into this journey you're now on? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with the origin. And Phil and I were roommates at DePaul. Sophomore year, we got moved together. And I'm a huge Packers fan. And being a huge Bears fan, there's an inherent ri rivalry right there. So twice this season, we would make bets on games and being college kids didn't have, you know, two pennies to rub together. So we would bet a case of beer, pizza, pizza, whatever we could find that was in front of us, we would you know, bet on that. So it was a little bit more tangible. And we really had a lot of fun with that because we found that there was really no loser. Whoever ended up losing just paid for the beer and still got to drink a few. So, um, yeah, that's how we really started doing food fights before we really knew what a food fight was. Yeah. And I'll always remember, you know, Thanksgiving, Bears Packers, Jay Cutler beating the Packers at Lambeau on Favre night and also not having to pay for the beer. Like that was, you know, <laughs> awesome. Right. Uh, having come back from our family dinners earlier that in the evening. But um, yeah, I mean, just to kind of piggyback off that, you know, Troy and I, we've always kind of thought of different things that you know, we've always kind of kept each other in the loop on what we're doing and, and why we're doing it. And, you know, just random little ideas. But it all really culminated when I was, you know, attending University of Chicago uh, and pursuing my master's there. You know, in college, I definitely didn't take advantage of all the resources like I wish I could have. Um, and at UChicago, I made that very, uh, I, I made a concerted effort to do that. And, you know, Boost School of Business, one of the best, uh, you know, business schools in the country, they offer so many resources that non-business school, you know, students can take advantage of. So I was like, you know, this is the time. If I'm going to build a business, which I've always kind of thought about and, and um, you know, kind of gone back and forth with Troy about if I'm going to do it, this is the time because we got all of these incredible mentors and programs that we can tap into that are free and the talent, right? Like the talent of folks that are there. Something you might notice is like Troy and I are non-technical co-founders. So we needed to find people 
uh, that believed in what we were doing and, you know, attract them into our group and, and have them help us build our product that we're, we're working on right now. So that's kind of the genesis, right? Like that's, that's how it all kind of came together. And, you know, when I called Troy, he was in New Orleans, I told him what I was up to and, and he got his butt up to Chicago and he's moved there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're both Chicago based for a bit. I just recently moved to Indianapolis, but that's the kind of core story there. That segues nicely then. I, I probably have a few listeners at this point that are still wondering what the hell food fight is and are pretty compelled <laughs> by the name. So let's talk a bit about Absolutely. food fight itself, guys. Maybe we can start again, just for the benefit of folks listening that might not be familiar. Can we start with a high concept overview of what it is and just what the overall value proposition is that you're bringing to market? Yeah, absolutely. So fundamentally, Food Fight is a peer-to-peer sports betting platform where fans use food and drinks instead of currency. Or uh, sorry, uh, food and drinks instead of cash as their currency, right? Our idea here is that, you know, cash gaming is, is the kind of status quo. And we want to take a unique spin on that. You know, often if you talk to a lot of non-sports betting fans, casual fans, maybe even folks that have dabbled in sports betting in the past, but are just not about it. When you present this idea of like, hey, you can bet your friends or we'll connect you to strangers at a bar and you can use food and drinks as, you know, your your medium of wagering, something turns on there. A light bulb moment comes on where folks are uh, much more intrigued and, and will actually engage in sports betting when pro- previously, maybe they they weren't as interested. Um, so on the user side, you know, we offer a number of different type of, type of games. You can food fight a friend, of course. You can food fight uh, a, cha- uh, a challenger or find a challenger. We'll match you. Kind of you build a food fight, your outcomes, your menu items, and then we'll uh, try and match you with someone at a bar. And then we also have a cool game called Food Fight the Bar, where you can actually bet the bar on outcomes. And if you win, you get a discount on kind of like an earn your happy hour. You get a discount on your certain goods. Or if you lose, you just commit to paying full price. Troy, do you want to talk about the restaurant value prop? Yeah, absolutely. So on the other side of the coin, the restaurants themselves, we're basically just trying to generate more sales, whether that be alcohol, beverages, or food itself. We're tapping into the popularity of sports gaming in general, sports betting, as a marketing tool for these restaurants to push more sales simply. Obviously, the engagement is a huge factor. So instead of keeping, you know, keeping tables getting flipped and having more patrons come in, we want patrons to keep their butts in the seats, hang out for the restaurant for longer, enjoy more beers, enjoy more food and, you know, finish watching the game. Because even if it's a blowout, you can still engage in food fight in some creative ways and potentially win yourself a beer. And one thing really quick, Jesse, that I'd add is, you know, there's some data out there that shows that, you know, if you have a consumer that comes to your restaurant and they're betting on the game, on a game, they're 70% more likely to stay there and consume more, uh, whatever it is that they're consuming, right? Uh, or they'll stay through the, through the length of the game. And, you know, what we're thinking of as Food Fight is, you know, again, you may not have every single patron coming in that's a sports better, but if we can kind of get into that frame of mind and activate users in that similar way, they're more likely to stay, more likely to consume more, et cetera, et cetera. Gotcha. So no, the value prop is, is pretty clear for the restaurant. Uh, I'm curious, guys, like as you're out there talking to restaurateurs and, and owners and managers of these establishments, you know, what do those conversations look like? And I guess what I'm curious about is like onboarding them onto Food Fight. What, what does that look like? And I guess how, uh, you know, turnkey or seamless might it be for a restaurant to take Food Fight and basically offer it to its patrons? Yeah, yeah, Jesse. So that, you know, that story kind of starts last year with myself riding my bike around the city of Chicago, 
walking into every restaurant that had sports playing and introducing myself to the owners, the managers, the bartender, whoever would talk to me about Food Fight. I went in there and I uh, spoke to him. So obviously it's not the greatest way to expand your business, but we had to start somewhere and we got a, got a lot of positive reception. And this is pre-product too. So Phil talked about having that least valuable product. That's what we had. It was a QR code with a website. I'd go in and tell the managers about what we were doing and they were very receptive to it. Obviously they would have liked to have a more built out product, And you know, what we're offering now is a lot better of a product, but overall, the restaurants, the owners, they really do love our product because, you know, my background in restaurants, I want to work with the restaurant to make us both money. I want the restaurant to push extra sales when it comes to food and beverages. And we don't want to, you know, take portions of those dollars away from them for every sale that we get. We're not, you know, trying to do that kind of business model and just support the restaurant however we can is really our goal. And I think the restaurant tours really feel that and understand that hey, these scrappy kids are just, you know, trying to build something out. Let's give them the time of day. And that turned into, you know, two season-long contracts. We posted 57 different events for the past sports year. Actually a little excited for it to kind of throttle down for the summer for the sports season so that we can, you know, refocus, regroup, and then dive headfirst into the football season again. And just to add, Jesse, you know, and your, to address your question about onboarding, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a big challenge that we're facing. When we were building this product, we were completely, we were much more focused on the user experience, the, the consumer of the patron at the bar, what, what, what are they interacting with? And the piece that we're now trying to figure out and, and starting to focus on much more is how do we link all this information into restaurant POS systems? Right now, we've got like 75% of our process completely automated. That last 25% is, is, is the kind of kicker. That's, that's the piece that, you know, kind of doesn't require us to, you know, engage in these events that Troy had mentioned. And instead we can just offer a complete SaaS service, which is something that we're really excited about. We're already talking to Clover, uh, which is owned by Fiserv. They, they do a number of POS systems all over the country with restaurants, but they're also in a lot of stadiums. And that's something, that's a piece that we're, we're particularly interested in as well. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit later. But yeah, not as turnkey as we would hope right now, but we're, that's, the, that's the core focus for the summer. Well, like Troy says, you got to start somewhere. Um, curious, guys, if you could talk just a bit about, I guess, just from a business perspective, sort of the traction you're getting on that side. And, and I guess as you know, a bit of a, a sub-bullet to that question, like we haven't actually talked about the business model and how you're monetizing it. Yeah. I think you just mentioned you're not taking a, a cut of the receipt from the restaurant. So curious about just sort of the monetization, but I guess more broadly, you know, as you, you zoom out and kind of look at the, the journey here so far, like how do you sort of think about the traction and progress and, and however you want to sort of define or measure that? Yeah, no, great question, Jesse. So first and foremost, maybe let's, let's hit that business model piece or the revenue model, right? So the way that we're thinking about it is like Troy had mentioned before, we do not want to take a cut of all of the kind of order origination that we are boosting in the restaurant, right? Like restaurants are bringing people in. That's just fundamentally like a disincentive for them to be like, all right, yeah, here's a company and they're helping us get more orders and they're going to take a percentage, right? But so the, the strategy that we've taken is, is kind of a SaaS model, you know, and this is something that ultimately we want to grow into once we nail that POS piece. What we've been doing currently is more of an event model, an event-based model. Think of your kind of typical trivia night, your comedy night. We'll come in, set up the restaurant with signage, QR codes, all this stuff. We'll engage your patrons. We'll educate them on how to use it. We'll help them even facilitate connections with other fans if required. And we get paid on like an event basis there, right? But yeah, ultimately we want to grow into a SaaS kind of uh, service 
which also would include, you know, our, our ultimate growth into stadiums as well. We, we want to use that SaaS model. But going back to uh, traction and progress. So um, it's really been a, a, a year since we kind of launched our least viable product pilot, um, which was during the NBA NHL playoffs. We ran a number of events at a local sports bar in Chicago. Um, got a ton of user interest, ton of customer satisfaction. Like the restaurant was like, wow, guys, you're really, you know, you're helping me boost my sales. You know, we looked at a day where there was an NBA uh, finals game compared to a similar night, the exact same night the week before without an NBA finals game. And the time that we were at that location, you know, pending other variables as well, of course, uh, we had a, you know, five to 7% increase in sales, which uh, we could directly attribute to, to Food Fight, which is incredible. So fast forward to September, we, we had these season-long contracts with sports bars generating revenue on a weekly basis, which was exciting because we didn't even think we could generate revenue, right? Like we thought like we would just kind of go and, and hustle and, and get this stuff going, building out our restaurant network and restaurants were happy to pay us to come in and do this. Uh, we ran one-off ad hoc events as well in, in different bars around Chicago, New Orleans. And then January rolled around and we launched our web app. Uh, so version one, it was a little rocky. We learned a lot about technology deployment and management. Like I said, we're not technical founders. So we learned a lot about, you know, the importance of user experience, the important importance of having a clean UI, easy way to manipulate and go through the app, especially that our app requires a couple more steps than you typically would. You know, you go on Fandle, you press one button, you know, your, your, your bed, and then you can submit it. On our end, you know, you, you need to kind of find that outcome, find those sports, obviously, but then also choose your menu items and then maybe even challenge someone, right? So we, that, that's all stuff we've been working through. But now, you know, what is, what is uh, our traction and progress look like? It means six paying customers, over $10,000 in menu item sales, over $2,000 in waitstaff tips, which is another kind of ancillary benefit to, to our product. We are boosting the happiness of your, you know, your human capital as a restaurant owner, right? They're generating um, more tips, which is great. And, you know, one other thing we did was kind of validate the interest of brands, you know, like the, you know, think of big beverage and liquor brands, their um, utilization of us as a marketing tool themselves. So for the Super Bowl, we ran a in-person marketing activation with Maker's Mark, uh, where we were engaging folks, giving them Maker's Mark if they, they were able to engage with Food Fight. So think of that, right? Like, think about that our cost of acquisition was paid for by another, by another company. Um, so we could get users and we were giving them a product and helping marketing that product, right? So that's really cool. That's something we're really excited about. Awesome. And, you know, I guess as I just sort of reflect on the value proposition and what you're up to and sort of the, the journey of the last year here, you know, to me, you know, Food Fight seems to be a good example of, of something that's introducing betting mechanics to boost, you know, the fan viewing experience and engagement as you guys talked about. So I'm just sort of curious, like, how do you uh, think about or view the convergence of sports betting with other adjacent activities? And, and I guess, what do you sort of think you and Food Fight are bringing to the table, I guess, uh, from a sports betting perspective and, and I guess widening the, the ecosystem and, and maybe attracting new folks into it? Yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a great question. I think that's the core kind of thing we're trying, that, that core nut we're trying to crack, right? So when we think of the convergence of sports betting, you know, one, one perfect example of another kind of legendary story of using sports betting as a mechanic to kind of converge with other industries is obviously Mattress Mac, right? Mattress Mac, he's got this incredible following for putting big bets on the Houston Astros or Houston-based teams and offering, you know, the patrons of his furniture store an opportunity to either get their furniture for free if those bets hit, if his big bets hit, 
Or even now, I think the last time he's giving people double their money. So not only their money back, but even more based on what they had spent. And that's just something that is kind of a core example of what we're trying to do, where we're using sports betting mechanics, sports betting triggers to boost, you know, engagement and, you know, selling opportunities in other industries, right? Again, I mentioned this before, but we have a unique ability to disarm non-sports bettors or casual fans, you know, folks that might see sports betting as maybe a social taboo, um, you know, might not be as interested because of past experiences or, you know, just fundamentally don't believe in it, which is fine. You know, we see sports betting blowing up all over the, the country, but why not use that, those mechanisms, that mechanism of a friendly competition between people to still get people to compete with one another and, you know, um, potentially sell other things, right? It doesn't need to just be a cash exchange. So that's something that we're really excited about. We're also excited about using, you know, Food Fight as a mechanism to a wager with folks, not only on sports, but the things that we do ourselves. And there are other products that do this. Think of your billiards game, your darts game, your bowling, but we want to expand it into any sport, you know, tennis. Think of, you know, if you're, you're at the golf course, you bet on who's going to, you know, score a better round or a hole. And at the end of that time, you, you know, you, you implement that and build it on Food Fight, you submit it. And then at the end of your round, you get to the clubhouse and your beer is waiting for you um, because you want your round. So that's something that we're, we're trying to create is like this ease of use, something that a lot of sports fans are already doing with one another, but, you know, uh, using and uh, building our product around the seamlessness uh, of that experience. Yeah. And I'd like to, you know, quickly add to that in restaurants, a tool to directly engage in the sports betting activities is a huge goal of ours because while customers are at restaurant and bars, quite a bit of them are engaging in, you know, drafting sports bets, anything really just on their phones. And there's no true way for the restaurants to tap into those dollars. The restaurants are the ones who are paying for all the TVs, for the electricity, for all the different cable plans, for Amazon Prime now, for Thursday night games. So they really should be given a tool to access those dollars. And I think, you know, food fights that answer. And awesome. one last thing, Jesse, <laughs> if I may, sorry. Um, but you know, we're really, you know, we really love this idea of a socially focused product, right? Something that can create memorable experiences. Well, I'll always remember, you know, one of the, these nights that we were running a food fight, we had a 55 year old woman, never interested in sports betting. We pitched her on, on food fight. She loved it. She got to food fight another table of younger, you know, kind of sports fans, bunch of guys on pitchers of beer and she won. They all ended up joining each other and watching the game together. Like what other product out there really, you know, enhances that experience and makes that, you know, uh, make that, makes that experience happen. Right. And that's what we're really excited about. That's awesome. Well, in addition to sort of, I guess, like the social engagement that the product uh, inherently offers, you know, I know you guys are also thinking a lot about like social responsibility. And I guess through that lens, why don't you just talk very quickly about Food Fight for Charity and explain what that is and, and why you've chosen to adopt that at this stage of your journey? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So coming from restaurant industry, again, food waste is uh, super annoying, something that, you know, I see pretty much every day when it comes to bars and restaurants. But what we want to do with Food Fight is challenge local influencers, different sports betting influencers to larger scale food fights. So, you know, think like 25 pizzas on, you know, some kind of game. So what we did is we actually won our food fight against one of the guys on the Better Media team. And we took those pizzas to, you know, a local uh, food bank in Chicago. So, you know, shout out to Jets Pizza for helping us with that. But also, you know, it was obviously felt good to do something on those lines, provide, you know, lunch for someone in our community. But really at scale, we'd like to, you know, 
continue doing this with our, you know, establishment partnerships and whoever's interested in, you know, joining us for those efforts, we're, you know, more than willing to start a partnership with. We're, we're also very interested in futures, you know, once we kind of achieve scale and, and get, uh, you know, much more kind of traction, engaging with our partners to really focus on how we can use food fight as a mechanism to fight food insecurity for marginalized kids as well. Uh, folks that may not have breakfast or lunch at school. Um, so that's something that we're, we're thinking about, but down there in, in our roadmap, uh, you know, in a future kind of state of food fight. Yeah. Well, good on you guys for uh, adopting that again at sort of the early stage of the food fight journey, making that sort of core to your mission here. Uh, kudos. Um, I want to talk a little bit as well about just the, the funding side of all of this. Um, so to start with that bit, uh, it'd be great if you could give folks listening just a bit of a sense of sort of how you've been able to sort of fund the journey to date, and then also maybe talk a little bit about any current or future fundraising plans you might have. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been bootstrapped for the vast majority of our journey. Um, you know, Troy and I have just been putting in our own dollars to build this thing. We've been running lean and mean, uh, like I said, taking advantage of as many of these kind of resources in Chicago across the, you know, local university ecosystem um, for, for talent, for, uh, um, you know, legal opinions, uh, working with uh, University of Chicago's um, legal innovation startup uh, clinic, which has just been awesome. Um, so uh, yeah, we've been primarily bootstrapped. Uh, we did raise a small little friends and family around and, and um, we're excited about that. Excited to have a lot of our early supporters be engaged on our cap table. Um, but yeah, right now we're really focused on raising to achieve, you know, our 12, 18 month um, goals uh, and, and, you know, meeting each milestone on our roadmap. So right now we're, we're raising $500,000 um, uh, kind of in like an angel round, right? Um, but uh, yeah, as it relates to, you know, like our how we've, kind of gotten to this place and why we're taking this approach with angels is, you know, originally we, we had focused on attracting VC dollars. Um, we gained some interest and, and gone through several rounds of discussion. And, you know, you just feel like you're so close and you get there and then they pull the rug under you. It's like, ah, you're too early or, you know, something just, it just didn't culminate. Right. Um, so we've kind of taken a step back. We're seeing the market, you know, how, um, how much harder it is to raise from a VC lens. And, you know, um, now we're, we're focusing on that angel high net worth individuals, family offices. And, and we've heard this kind of feedback from a lot of VCs as well, you know, trying to uh, address those kind of stakeholders first and foremost, and then maybe coming back to VCs later down the road. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to ask that very question, Phil. I mean, insofar as I guess, just, you know, the current market conditions and, and the stage that you're at with Food Fight, you know, sort of curious kind of what the feedback had been, which you've alluded to, but I guess. You know, maybe the other question is like, how are you guys adapting to the current funding environment? I mean, there, there's challenges abound right now. We're hearing lots of stories about this. Um, sort of what does that mean for you, I guess, as you're out there having these conversations? And what are those conversations like, I guess, as you're out there right now uh, having them? Yeah. So I would say, you know, it's kind of tricky for us in, in some ways, right? Um, which is exciting in a way, right? Like we can nail this, like we, we really think we can, we can um, get somewhere. But oftentimes, you know, you see this kind of segmentation of VC kind of um, market interests, right? So you have, you know, for us, we've talked to food and beverage focused VCs and investors. We've talked to sports betting investors and each one, sometimes, you know, we get this feedback of like, look, this idea is really great. It's really awesome, all the traction you've had, but I just don't understand the sports betting space as a food and beverage investor, right? Or on the flip side, as a sports uh, betting investor, this is awesome. This is really cool. I just don't quite understand the restaurant space and the, and the food and beverage space. So we're going to, you know, take a step back. 
So what we're trying to do is identify folks that might have that intersectionality of, you know, sports betting or gambling industry backgrounds, plus the food and beverage or hospitality side. And we're starting to really target those folks because th- with them, it seems to make more sense. Not, and, and one thing I will also add is, you know, we've got a lot of interest in, in terms of meetings. It's just kind of closing the door, there, you know. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is really focus on this final 25% a piece that I mentioned earlier about our automation and how we can, you know, just be a fully uh, human capital free type of business where we don't need to be in restaurants. We, everything can just be seamless and automated and that will enable scale. And I think that's where a lot of, a lot more investors might be interested. Awesome. I'm also curious, guys, your founder journey so far and, and sort of this leap into the world of entrepreneurship that you've taken with Food Fight. I guess, as you reflect back um, on the journey to date and, and thus far, what are, you know, maybe some of the key lessons or maybe the major key lesson each of you has learned along the way so far? You know, with us being first-time entrepreneurs, first-time, you know, founders, we've always heard this idea of like, go and talk to your customers, right? And we were kind of like scared shitless about that. Like, well, how do we even do that, right? I mean, of course we could go to restaurants, but like, you know, uh, we don't want to, you know, fall flat on our face and get embarrassed. But that's the key, I think, you know, for us, having this event model at first and just, you know, even our pilot, it's been incredible to actually go talk to our users and customers and they're in the exact same place for us, right? That's been awesome. And we've taken a lot of advantage of that in getting um, feedback and, and, you know, gaining a critical understanding of, you know, consumers, behaviors, incentives, disincentives. So I would say, you know, like it's extremely important to go and talk to your customers. You won't, you know, you can build a product, but you won't know how folks interact with it until you go and, and test it out. Yeah. And off of Phil's statement, my, you know, biggest take home for this whole startup journey is, you know, consistency and, you know, you got to love what you do and you got to do it often. I genuinely feel bad for my friends and family because all they hear me talk about is food fight. So thanks to them for, you know, all your patience, but you know, throughout the whole journey, there's peaks and valleys. Obviously, you know, being on your podcast is definitely a peak, but, you know, you just got to stay consistent during, you know, the NFL and college football season last year. Phil and I were both working full time during the week. And then on Saturday, we would do college football for, you know, 10 hours in bar and restaurant and then NFL for around eight hours bar and restaurant. So we've definitely put in the time. And I think that consistency aspect has really got us to this point now. And, you know, we're going to stay consistent. We're going to keep at it. And, Think it's going to you know provide us a, a lot of good things in the future right on well we're coming up to the midpoint of the year so i guess as you guys look ahead to the second half of the year and obviously uh, a busy sporting calendar coming up with all of the new leagues kicking off in the fall what are the major milestones you really focused on for food fight uh, to close out 2023 um you know right now like i mentioned earlier we're, we're super heads down on a product development we're redesigning our entire application um we've got a great ui team we've got a great um technical team that, you know, really believe in what we're doing. So we're just like extremely focused on getting that done. That, what does that mean? That means a user app. That means a restaurant app. That also means POS integrations, right? So there's a lot of kind of key goals to try and complete in in three months. Um, And, you know, that's something we're really excited about as we get up against the NFL season. Um, Of course, the second priority is really filling out our our angel round, Um, getting those investors on board, getting that capital to, start investing in, in more of these POS integrations. Look, there's 287 different POS systems across the country, right? That's insane. Oh, we need to try and focus on the top three or four. And if we can nail those, uh, we think we might get, you know, 80% kind of market coverage across different establishments around the country. 
And then finally, you know, one of our big goals this year as well is kicking off a pilot with a professional sports team, right? Running shoot fight at, you know, the Wrigley Fields of the world where we can start to get fans engaged with one another at, you know, a sports venue during a game. Awesome. Well, that takes us then to my standard closing question, guys, which is this. If you weren't working on Food Fight, if you weren't doing anything with embedding or adjacent to it or in tech or in any of your past careers in a parallel universe, what would each of you be doing instead? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love being on the water. I would love to sail. It sounds crazy, but um, yeah, love to learn how to sail and get out there, get on the water and just, you know, kind of take my mind off the tech world and the busyness of the being in the startup. Yeah, for me, um, I have always loved sports. I've always loved the NFL. Like football is like my go-to. And I think I would have wanted to be like a scout or like a GM, right? Like getting into like those kinds of engagements of identifying talent and, you know, putting your conviction behind it and seeing those, you know, hopefully those decisions sprout into gold, like, you know, Brett Veach and Patrick Mahomes. Awesome, guys. Well, for folks listening that might want to learn more about it, maybe for restaurateurs in the Chicago area that might want to get in touch with you and or anybody that might want to learn more about the opportunity on the investment side, how can you suggest they best go about reaching both of you? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got uh, getfoodfight.com. You can join our waitlist, uh, you know, as a user. You can also join our waitlist as a uh, restaurateur or operator. Uh, we'll get back to you if you sign up. Uh, we also have our socials on Instagram, Food Fight app, uh, TikTok, Get Food Fight. Um, and then, of course, investors, they can reach out to uh, me and Philip, uh, F-I-L-I-P at getfoodfight.com. Awesome. Well, I'll drop links in the show notes to all of those, Phil. But for now, guys, really appreciate you joining the podcast today. It's been great to get to know you over the last year. Really need to get myself to Chicago to uh, check out a food fight at some point. Uh, but until Absolutely. then, really wishing you, yeah, really wishing you guys all the best uh, for the rest of the year ahead here. Thanks, Jesse. And let's food fight for charity sometime. Thank you for having us.